Hi, and welcome to another episode of Chart of Fortune, the astrology podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and today I'm boldly going where no other episode of Chart of Fortune has gone before, celebrity sun sign compatibility. Yes, this week I am combining two of my favorite indulgences, hobbies, lifestyles, necessities, celebrities, and sun sign compatibility. These two things combined together are like my version of this mama runs on wine and coffee t-shirts. Now, I also run on wine and coffee, but talking about celebrities and sun signs fuels my life force in a petty sugar rush kind of way. You might be asking, why are we doing this random departure? Most of these episodes are about things or moments that are about pop culture and we look at the birth chart. The short answer is like, I wanted to shake things up for an episode. We're officially in spring. It's Aries season. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, and it marks the change to a new astrological cycle. So we've gone once through the zodiac, and now we're back at the start again. It's like New Year's for the astro community. So in true Aries fashion, I decided to do something new and bold, because as an Aries would say, I felt like it, so I did it. That's all Mars energy, baby. This episode is the equivalent of like chatting with your friend. There's beverages flowing, the tea is being spilled. It's that vibe. First and foremost, almost every single person who is into astrology starts with sun signs. Most people who know even the most basic things about astrology usually know what their sun sign is. My husband, who does not care about astrology, knows what his sun sign is. That's what I'm talking about. When people ask you what your sign is, they're referring to your sun sign. And it's an excellent first step to learn, right? Sun signs are easy to figure out because you only need to know what day of the year someone was born. You don't need their birth time or even the year they were born, just the day. I know, sun sign astrology and sun sign compatibility, it can be limiting. You know, if you've been working with astrology for a while or you've like really delved in, then you might feel really irritated when astrology starts to turn into a discussion of sun signs. Because, and this has happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to you if you talk about this publicly, there's always a dude, okay, gender nameless, but in my experience, it's been a dude who questions your interest in astrology. And they're like, oh, so you're saying all Leos are like the same? And then you try to explain to them that actually... Brad, you have like a whole birth chart and you can't just, you know, ignore the nuance of that. You're looking at one tiny piece of the puzzle, Brad. And then I think I want to say, aren't all sports teams the same? I mean, they can only have so many players on the field or court at one time. I mean, people have specific roles. So aren't all goalies the same? Aren't our quarterbacks the same? They all wear the same clothes, don't they, Brad? And yet I know what Brad knows, which is these are not all the same. They're different people. So just like how no two people with the same sun sign will also be the same. And if this has happened to you, then I want to give you some permission and some empathy so you can tell Brad to sit the hell down because either he's here to learn or he needs to get out and watch his sports ball somewhere else. Okay. Basically, I'm creating this episode because it felt good to me to get back to some basics. You know, it's like when you want to eat something really simple from childhood. For me, it's always a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but it's the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of astrology. It's just fun to just take a step back. A lot of my episodes recently, we talked about nodes, we talked about outer planets, we talked about perfection years, and now I'm just, I just want to be 
be petty. I just want to talk about sun signs and other people's relationships. Um, yeah. So this episode, I am discussing two mutable couples, Jay-Z and Beyonce and Justin Bieber and Haley Road Baldwin Bieber. Yeah, that was a lot. I just, maybe she'll become an initial. Everyone I'm talking about today, you might have, you might have heard of them. Okay, they are all mutable sun signs. And perhaps more interestingly, in these relationships, the people in them have sun signs that are square one another. And just to the randomness of this episode, if there was ever a group of Zodiac signs that we're going to embrace like a one-off, let's see if it sticks, throw it against the wall energy episode, it's going to be mutable signs. There are three modalities in the Zodiac, and that is cardinal, fixed, and mutable. So cardinal signs always begin a season, so they make it kind of easy. Aries, right? That starts off spring. Cancer is the start of summer. Libra is the start of fall. And Capricorn is the start of winter. Now, if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, it's going to be opposite, right? So um, I broadcast from outside of Seattle, Washington in the United States. So that's why I'm using these. But obviously, if you live uh, Southern Hemisphere, it's going to be the opposite. Um, Just need to know that they mark the beginning of each season, regardless of what that season is. Now, that's followed by the fixed signs of Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And they're right in the middle of each season, like firmly planted in, you know, spring, summer, winter, fall. And it's about seeing that season through, that dedication. We then have Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces who always straddle each season. And they kind of signify those transitions from one season to the next. You know, where the weather's still changing um, and things are kind of up in the air. Mutable signs are the friends who suggest, like, they come over to your house. This is, like, a post-COVID or, like, you know, group pod world. And they're like, have you ever thought about just, like, moving your couch? And your cardinal friend's like, oh, I'll help you move it. I actually really i am good at this. I looked it up. I know how. I'll lead the effort. And then your fixed sign friend is going to go ahead and vacuum the floor and straighten all your things, like the framed fixtures, and, you know, make sure the vase isn't too close to the edge of the table. So it feels balanced, you know, once you've like reoriented your astrological living room. So, you know, cardinals, they take the lead, fix, they see it through. And mutables are the editors. They know how to finish it up and put the finishing touches on things. Now, I have mentioned in previous episodes that I feel really weird reading someone's birth chart if they are famous because a birth chart reading, I feel like, is something people should agree to, right? Like it feels weird to know stuff about people when they're really famous, Um, and they didn't like consent to it. They didn't say it. So I think the rule here though, is if you share your birthday, you talk about your birthday publicly, it's on social media or in interviews, then sun sign compatibility shouldn't be as out of bounds because they were comfortable enough sharing, uh, what Zodiac sign they are in some cases and their birthday on social media in others. So we're just looking at sun signs today. We're keeping it light, bright, petty. So the Just getting to the basics again, we talked about the modalities, so we know we're talking about mutables today. We're talking about, you know, the really, like, in-between seasons, the flowy, the, you know, change-their-mind fluidness. The sun signs that we are going to talk about this episode are going to be three of the four mutable signs. So if you didn't know this stuff, now you know Beyonce is a Virgo, Jay-Z and Haley are Sagittarius's. Sagittarian and Justin is a Pisces. The other mutable sign is Gemini, but uh, nobody in these relationships is a Gemini. 
I'm a Gemini, so I guess I'm just I'm just here to to narrate my mutable friends. So we mentioned this earlier, but just because we're like getting into it here, covering the bases, each of these relationships have a situation where the partners, sun signs, are square one another. Signs that square each other are are going to be in the same modality, right? Signs that oppose each other are also going to be in the same modality. So signs that oppose one another are have the same signs squaring them. Okay, let me break it down. If you are Jay-Z and you are a Sagittarius, then Gemini is in opposition to you. But you, being a Sagittarius, and anyone who's a Gemini, both Jay-Z and I, will have squares between Pisces and Virgo. So Beyonce's sun sign is also square to mine. Um, call me sometime, bae. But similarly, Pisces, so Justin Bieber and Beyonce, are going to be in opposition to one another. But Virgo and Pisces, Justin and Beyonce, are going to have squares between Gemini, me, again, call me bae, and Sagittarius, Jay-Z, and Haley. Okay, the other thing we have got to cover before we get into this celebrity relationship is just, like, talking about the square. So you're like, I know what immutable is. I know what signs are immutable. I know everybody we're talking about is a mutable sign. And now I know that their sun signs are squaring each other. But, like, what is a square, right? Like, I mean, you know the symbol square. This isn't Sesame Street. But, like, what does that mean? So squares, we talk about them a lot. They come up a lot. They symbolize tension between these two placements, right? To give you an example that's like really like post-COVID world, but maybe a small enough, an opposition is like two roommates disagreeing over whether they should stay in and watch a movie or if they should go out to dinner. Then a square is those same people agreeing that they'll stay inside because COVID, but they can't agree on whether they should watch a specific movie or if they should start a new TV show. Do you get what I'm saying? Oppositions have less in common. Squares have just enough not in common to make it a little difficult. They have common ground, but some of those details are not in, they're not cohesive. They're not in agreement. They aren't polar opposites, right? They have just enough in common to feel comfortable with each other, but then just enough to feel challenged or frustrated by one another. So maybe you're thinking at this moment, like, wouldn't tension be terrible for a relationship? Like, I don't want to live with someone that makes me feel tense. And the answer is, well, yeah, but also uh, no. On some level, unresolved tension in any aspect of our lives, for most of us, is going to be exhausting. If you feel like you can never find a way to make it work with someone or compromise, whether that's your coworker or your neighbor or your roommate or your significant other or a pet, then you're going to feel burned out because you just don't get any resolution. But tension isn't all bad because we use the phrase sexual tension all the time. And for many romantic relationships, it's going to be a key. That physical desire for one another is really part of that connection. They drive you crazy, and baby thinking of them keeps you up at night. That's a square. If I'm putting it another way, oppositions are the like adage, opposites attract. But squares are like movie relationships where they don't like each other, but then they fall in love. Oppositions are Dharma and Greg. Squares are Cat and Patrick from 10 Things I Hate About You, aka Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger. The connection challenges the people involved in small ways and in bigger ways. Okay, and please, please tell me that you know 
who I'm talking about when I make these 90s references. Like, I need you. If you pause the podcast and you Google Dharma and Greg or 10 Things I Hate About You, like, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can just lie. It's fine. I'll never know. If you're an elder, millennial, or older, this is part of our culture. I'm trying to preserve this. And if you are younger, then I need you to just Google it or pretend you know when it comes up. You might enjoy these programs, especially 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, I feel like the fashion is very on point for right now. And if if you're, like, not sure about it, I get it. I'm your crazy Gemini aunt, little Gen Zers. I'm trying to help you understand memes or clips from movies and shows that happened likely before you were born. You guys keep me young. Don't mind me quietly readjusting my velour sweatsuit. Okay. There's also an energy around square relationships of misconnections or certain off-again, on-again energy. Maybe one person is more initially attracted than the other. There could be obstacles that need to be resolved, and they could be external, you know, obstacles, like you don't live near someone, or internal ones like, I really like them, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to commit, that kind of thing. So I did go ahead and research this episode, both from a standpoint of the timelines of these relationships we're talking about, and also because I was genuinely curious if I actually knew anyone in my life who was in a mutable square sun sign relationship. And here's the thing, none of my like friends or family that I'm aware of have relationships in which they form a mutable square with one another. So like, there's no relationships I can think of that are two people who are mutable sun signs and their sun signs are square with each other. So I was thinking if I knew someone personally, then I'd try to like think about a way to talk about their relationship without like naming names or being weird. So all the Sagittarians I know, they are not dating Virgos and Pisces. I don't know any Pisces who are currently dating Gemini or Sagittarians. I do know, though, scouring my Facebook, and that was a yikes and a half because I am never on there, that there are three people I know who are Geminis, and they are dating or married to Virgos. So a square, but not one we're going to talk about today. It became apparent to me that most of the relationships that I know, the people, two people's sun signs, a lot of them are going to be trines or sextiles. I also learned that a bunch of people just do not put their Facebook like their birthday on Facebook. Um, Maybe I missed the day where we decided that because again, never on there. Trine couples would be people who are dating the same element as their sun sign. In my life, I know a lot of water, water couples and a couple earth, earth couples. Um, And I also know a ton of sextiles. Uh, Specifically, sextiles are like either going to be fire and air pairings or water and earth. I know so many fire and air couples. It's really unreal. It's really interesting. Um, You know, trines and sextiles are supposed to have like a kind of an effortless energy. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that everyone, including myself, uh, it's an easy bunch of people. I did also notice that people who have fixed or cardinal signs that I know are more likely to date people of their same sun sign because I don't know anyone who is a mutable sun sign that is dating someone with their same sign. So I'm a Gemini, married a Leo, I know a couple Sagittarians. None of them are dating Sagittarius. So that's kind of weird. Um, I kind of think this like fixed cardinal thing might be that they feel more comfortable dating their same sun sign because they want the same things. All the mutable people in my life have relationships with people who are very different from them. And they are kind of looking for that person to, you know, add a different uh, perspective to their life. But I do see like specifically cancers and Tauruses are people that I know 
date the same sign and are really happy. And I think that's because they really have a particular idea of how they want things to be or they really value certain things and the other person shares those values. So it's very, very cohesive and easy for them. But all of this creeper research, because that's really what it was, it left me wondering if like squares between certain modalities are more common. Like if you took a giant pole of the whole earth, would there be more fixed square couples or more immutable square couples or more cardinal square couples? And I don't have an answer to this. So I'm going to keep looking into it. I'm still really interested. But when I was considering this, I came across a really interesting article that basically says mutable squares might be the most easy to tolerate in a chart or in our experience. And why? The astrologer Alice Sparkly Cat, uh, she's fabulous. They are fabulous. Uh, has an exceptional article about this. She mentions that if you look at traditional astrology, so we're going all the way back to like some Hellenistic vibes, any mutual square is going to involve only two planets. It can involve just one planet too, but it will either involve only Mercury, only Jupiter, or Mercury and Jupiter together. That's because Virgo and Gemini are ruled by Mercury. Uh, in modern astrology, we still hold that. And Sagittarius and Pisces are both traditionally ruled by Jupiter. Now, just to let you know, modern astrology says that Pisces is ruled by Neptune, but for the sake of argument, we're going to stick with the traditional line of thinking and just say Pisces is ruled by Jupiter right now. Now, Mercury is viewed as a neutral planet. Um, it's not here to fuck shit up like Saturn or Mars, and it's not here to save the day like Jupiter or Venus. Uh, if the ruling planet's are either neutral or benefic, then there's probably some goodwill with these relationships, right? Like in these mutable squares. Jupiter is a benefic, Mercury's neutral. Like mutable squares might be less extreme or less difficult than squares between fixed and cardinal signs. And also, this is my own take, mutable squares have a distinct advantage because mutable signs are definitely okay with change. They're the most okay with change. Squares are about confronting and moving past tension, and mutable signs can change their mind or their surroundings very easily. Cardinal signs like to be in charge. Fixed signs dislike change and inconsistency. And yes, two people who are both mutable could be exhausting if their needs and their goals keep moving all the time, and they move differently from one another. But it offers mutable couples a distinct advantage because maybe they're not so outcome-dependent. They might be more willing to compromise. They might be more willing to kind of roll with the punches. They aren't set in their ways. And that flexibility, which makes it harder to plan for the future, means that they might be open to how the future can change. Okay, we covered mutable signs. We've covered squares. We got to get to the good stuff. What kind of compatibility do these signs have? And by extension, do these celebrities have with one another? So we're starting with Mrs. and Mr. Beyonce Knowles. Beyonce was born on September 4th, 1981, and Jay-Z was born on December 4th, 1969. If you are noticing all the fours, and if you're a Beyonce true head, then you know where that conversation is going, but we will have it later. Beyonce is a Virgo sun. Uh, that is the sixth sign of the zodiac, and it is a mutable earth sign. When I think of Virgo, the word that comes to mind for me is fastidious. For me, it's that they are particular or detail-oriented about some aspect of their lives. Virgos are the most common sign, but they aren't all finicky, fussy people who have to have a spotless home and color code their fridge. If you know a Virgo well, then you know that they are likely particular about one or a couple of things in their life. 
It could be that they take their coffee a certain way. It could be that they organize their books by author or publishing date or color or topic. It might be that they only eat certain things or that they avoid certain foods or diets or that they're really clear about the schedule and how they organize their time. Virgo is ruled by the sign of Mercury, so they're thinkers. They like to also organize their thoughts. Now, if you know anything about Beyonce, it is that she has worked incredibly hard her entire career. She started performing as a young child, and she talks often about like how much thought and time went into her being really good at it. She would spend a lot of time uh, singing and dancing until she knew the performance by heart. She was really meticulous about, you know, where she was singing, like the notes she was singing and how, you know, clean her dance moves were, that they were on time, all that kind of stuff. And this meticulousness, like this way of being really clear about what she is okay with and not okay with really extends to her personal life. Um, I linked to a people.com article in the show notes. There are a ton of articles we're going to go through today. But Beyonce just clearly says, I'm not going to get married before I'm 25. I don't think I'm going to know myself before then. And I don't think it's worth it. So I'm not going to. Beyonce ultimately is a Virgo with high standards. But we always seem to forget that Virgo is a mutable sign. Like they change their mind. And, you know, typically, if you need them to change their mind, you're going to need to offer them some really clear facts or reasons for doing so. But I think Virgos are a little more like playful than they get credit for being. Um, And I think that comes through with Beyonce. You know, she dropped an album at midnight as a surprise and it totally paid off for her. You know, she was willing to be a little unexpected and go out of her normal, you know, way. And it worked. Uh, Jay-Z is a Sagittarius. The so he's Sagittarius sun. That's the ninth sign of the zodiac, and it is a mutable fire sign. When I think of Sagittarians, I think of the word open-minded. They are open to travel. They like new experiences. They like new ideas. Jupiter is the ruling planet for Sagittarius, and that means that they get that optimism and expansive thinking from the planet, but they can also, you know, extend their luck a little too much and put their foot in their mouth and say ridiculous things or inappropriate things that other people maybe wouldn't feel comfortable saying. All the Sagittarius people in my life are really have this incredible Jupiterian ability to kind of get away with doing things that would get other people in trouble. They have a certain luck to them and they kind of know when to bend the rules uh, and when to follow them. Now, we're going to talk about two people who are Sagittarius sons in this episode, and for that, I'm going to differentiate between Jay-Z being a December Sagittarius and Haley being a November Sagittarius. The December Sagittarius in my life um, are people who have a laser focus on their career. Every person who is a Sagittarius born in December, maybe it's because they're getting closer to the sign of Capricorn, they are really gifted at what they've chosen to do as like a job, right? They have a vision for that job. They bring a tremendous amount of effort and creativity um, and and maybe a little bit of luck. When they commit to something, they also commit to like learning a lot and getting better at it and constantly improving at this skill. And I think December Sagittarius is often... You know, their candor sometimes is rewarded publicly. So they have that Jupiterian luck of being like, I'm going to say what I really think. uh, And it's probably not going to blow up at me. Now, in a GQ article, uh, the interviewer asked Jay-Z if he'd ever run for office. And he has like this very Sagittarian response saying, I tell the truth too much. My past would never allow me to do that. Most politicians never stole out their mama's purse. 
I think Bush said he stole once a bag of chips. They're all lying. Everyone has a real story, but mine is very public. Everyone knows about it, and there's no getting away from it. So Sag. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but Haley is also a Sagittarius. Interesting, Haley and Jay-Z are both from New York and Sagittarians. I found it also really interesting that both of these people have had kind of less than linear career trajectories, but have ended up being really successful. As you likely know, Jay-Z is best known as a rapper, but in the years since, he's become a producer, he is a clothing designer, he owns a cognac brand, he has a streaming service, and a record label. Uh, Haley's a little younger, so she has not maybe had that much success like Jay-Z, but she originally trained to become a professional ballerina, but became a model and a television host after she had a foot injury uh, that prevented her from being able to keep uh, ballet dancing. Also, this is just anecdotally as well. Sagittarius have this, you know, one really potent talent, but they also are people who have a lot of diverse hobbies. They have that mutable energy at work. They can hold on to these really clear career goals, but then also they can shift into those personal passion projects or hobbies. In both Jay and Haley's life, they've shifted from one very prominent career to another uh, and been pretty successful. We got to talk about Jay-Z and Beyonce's compatibility. Sagittarius and Virgo, to me, make a great pair because Sagittarius can see the forest but not the trees, and Virgo can see each tree but forget that they're looking at a forest. Sag partners help Virgo embrace the fullness of life, and Virgo shows Sagittarius that if you work hard and you remember the details, that you don't have to just rely on your luck and likability and being willing to learn. If you put them together, how they gonna stop both us? Well, Jay, they don't. They don't stop them. I think the forward thinkingness of Sag and the meticulousness of Virgo is what makes Jay-Z and Beyonce's public relationship so well-crafted. Consider, interestingly enough, that their first song together was about their relationship, the infamous, and I mean infamous, Bonnie and Clyde 03, which basically spelled out for the world that, yeah, they were dating even though most reports are going to tell you that they started dating in June of 2004. Suffice it to say, the Carters are a weird thing where they give us so much information, and they choose how we hear that information, because they don't really do a lot of interviews anymore, but they kind of were Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift, in that they are incredibly autobiographical in their music and their songwriting and their lyrics. We know their whole love story. We know about Jay-Z's infidelity. We know about Beyonce's miscarriage all through their songs. So it's worth mentioning the general dynamic of fire and earth. You might have heard of the phrase scorched earth, which is when, you know, the earth has been burned by fire and it's unable to, you know, grow from the dead ash, right? Like the earth is damaged and the fire is put out. But There are things called controlled burns or prescribed burns, and that's when earth and fire come together and they get rid of the dead plants or things in the earth that need to be cleared away so that new growth can happen. And that, to me, is the highest evolution of a fire and earth pairing is that they, especially with a mutable couple, is that they are able to take away what is old and no longer necessary and remove it from their lives to continue to renew and like make space for what needs to be there. Obviously, it's a really delicate balance. Um, we're going to move on to the next couple, Haley and Justin. Haley was born on November 22nd, 1996. I know, 1996. 
Gen Z, I'm feeling so old. I remember 1996 very well. I mentioned this a moment ago, but, you know, astrologers, astro enthusiasts, there's going to always be a lot of talk about how sun signs differ from the month that those people were born in. It's just highlighting the fact that every zodiac sign happens over two months. So May Geminis are different than June Geminis. Now, a lot of this has to do with the concept of decans. We've talked about a damn decan. It's on a couple of different old episodes. Um, it's also something that's pretty easy to Google. But I also think that this comes up outside of decans when we consider the cusps of each sign. Now, Haley is a Scorpio. You know, her birthday being so early or late in November means that her birthday occurs right on the cusp of Scorpio and Sagittarius. It's called the cusp of revolution. I think Miley Cyrus also is born around this time and has that as well. Um, that could be wrong. I don't, don't quote me. Let's be clear because cusps are kind of a dirty word in certain astrological circles. Um, so let's just, this is my take. You are only one sun sign, right? Like Haley isn't a Scorpio slash Sagittarius. She is a Sagittarius. You get one sun sign. All of your planets are going to be in one sign. But we talked about this with mutables. The seasons transition from one another, and that's when mutable signs occur in the calendar. And there is an energetic overlap. Even if you don't know a lot about astrology, you know that I can tell you, hey, it's technically spring, but at least where I live, there are still days where it's cold, it's rainy, it feels kind of wintry. We're technically in spring, but we're like not fully in what feels like spring yet, right? And that's what this cusp of Scorpio and Sagittarius is about. Now, in Haley's case, her birthday puts her right in the beginning of Sagittarius season. And this means that her birthday occurs at a time where we're marking the transition from Scorpio to Sagittarius. Scorpio, you know, is the detective and the secret keeper of the Zodiac. And mixing that with the Sagittarius, you know, loud, proud, find themselves sticking their foot in the mouth and getting away with it because they're lucky as hell. That's a lot. Now, I... When I thought about this more, this actually really made sense to me why this cusp would be important. And that's because I, for a while, thought that Haley was a Capricorn when she and Justin first started dating. For me, a lot of it is she has this very sleek clothing and practical pieces, which felt very Capricorn, very, you know, utilitarian. Uh, she also had this kind of mysterious aloof vibe that I think sometimes Capricorns can embody. It was a very much like, who is this girl? What is her deal? She seems kind of quiet. But I think that aloofness is really more that she is that Scorpio Sagittarius cusp. She has the straightforwardness of the Sag, but the probing insights into a Scorpio. So she, you know, maybe is someone who knows a little more than other Sagittarians when they should be quiet about something, maybe when they should say something. And when she decides to say something, she's going to tell it like it is. She mentions in an L article that came out a couple days ago that, you know, she turned off public comments from her Instagram saying, I remember someone telling me that turning off public comments really lowers your engagement. And I was like, I could give a fuck about engagement. People are terrorizing me. Engagement and schmagement. I don't care. That felt very Sagittarian to me. And also kind of that Scorpio uh, energy of I don't exist for other people and I'm going to do what I want. I also have to use this time to talk a quick tangent about the sign of Sagittarius, and that is that it's often associated with higher ideals and beliefs, and it's critical when we keep talking into the story that you know that religion is a large part of Haley Bieber's childhood. Um, we're going to talk more about this church in a moment, but it's a really critical context 
to understand that Haley grew up in a really conservative kind of mega church upbringing. And that means that she wasn't able to participate in things like Halloween or kind of more secular activities that for a lot of people in the United States and probably other countries um, aren't a really big deal. That's just, you know, another holiday on the calendar, but because it has a pagan root, spoiler alert, all of the Christian holidays do um, as well. You know, that wasn't something that she participated in. I think that definitely kind of characterizes some of her experiences and kind of some of her personality. Now, Justin Bieber was born on March 1st, 1994, and he is a Pisces sun. Pisces is the 12th sign of the Zodiac and is ruled by Jupiter in traditional astrology and Neptune in modern. Uh, We talked about that briefly when we talked about the squares. The Pisces in my life are really adept at altering their personality or energy around other people. I think we talked about this before, but... For me, it's that they have this water sign intuition. A lot of water signs have this ability to kind of, you know, feel out a room. But for Pisces, they also have this real deep desire to connect with others. And that's also combined with this kind of esoteric understanding that like kind of goes beyond time and space. I'm going to get a little woo for a second. I think that Pisces, it's the last water sign. And more than other water signs, I think that they see the interconnectedness of life. And in a way, sometimes they feel like this interesting old soul of the Zodiac, but because they're mutable, they're also able to be really playful. You know, Pisces being at the end of the Zodiac means that they've experienced, you know, the, the breadth of knowledge that the Zodiac gives us, but also they're on the sign right before Aries. And I think they get some of that Aries playfulness and whimsy and brightness um, as well. I'm always really touched by how empathetic the Pisces in my life are. Um, They're really good at seeing someone else's perspective. And even if they're really upset by that, it seems like they're often able to reflect on it and then choose to come from a place of kindness or empathy or being more understanding. Uh, This is also a patented chart of fortune hot take, but I always think that Pisces and Gemini are the most mutable of the mutable signs. And that's because they are symbolized with air and water, which elements are constantly in flux. Air wants to move, right? Like the wind or even a tornado in a really extreme example. And water moves as well. It's the saying of you never step in the same river twice, right? Because water is always moving. It's that vibe. Pisces can also be the hardest sign to describe because they really represent the fullness of the zodiac and the end of the zodiac wheel. Um, And I'm going to give you a quote from this Vogue article from a couple years ago that is about Justin Bieber and him talking and is just so Pisces to me. Um, He's discussing the fact that he goes to church frequently, but he also adds that he's not really religious or he doesn't really believe in religion. He says, I wouldn't consider myself religious. That confuses a lot of people because they're like, well, you go to church. I believe in the story of Jesus. That's the simplicity of what I believe, but I don't believe in all the religious elitism and pretentiousness. Like people are better than you because they come to church. Like you have to go to church and dress a certain way. It gets sensitive when religion comes up because it's been so hurtful to a lot of people. I don't want to be thought of as someone who stands up for any of the injustice that religious has done and does do. Now, okay, there's no way about like using that quote without identifying the fact that Justin and Haley do go to kind of a fundamentalist church where they're kind of shitty about gay people. Um, and Chart of Fortune's not really here for that. I don't think that's okay. Um, if you want to learn more about that, you can Google Hillsong Church and you can make yourself some popcorn and enjoy the ridiculousness that is occurring right now. Um, if you don't have a hobby, if you need a petty hobby that isn't this podcast, consider. 
Um, just, you know, between friends. But Justin and Haley together, this is Sag and Pisces. It is fire meeting water. And together, fire and water make steam. But too much water energy can put out a fire's flames and warmth. And too much fire will just evaporate all of water's vitality and nourishment away. Again, as with all relationships, there has to be some balance here. And I think that they're kind of still figuring that out. Unlike the Carters, the Beavers have been a little more candid about their relationship in real time. Um, It could be because they're a lot younger. It could be because uh, celebrities are just more, you know, interviewed and they're on Instagram and they just have more access to their lives than they did when uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce originally got together. But Maybe also it's that Haley is a model. She's not a musician uh, that we know of. So she doesn't have songs to explain her relationship or offer her perspective or her experiences. She has interviews, uh, you know, with magazines and also her own uh, social media. So Justin and Haley have mentioned in several articles that for them, their relationship is not always the easiest. And they did have a long adjustment period of living one another and kind of getting used to married life and being married to one another. But they have always kind of come back to the idea that church is those beliefs are really the rock of their relationship. And I actually kind of believe them. I kind of think that tracks Sagittarius we talked about associated with beliefs. I think Pisces is really drawn to the immaterial, the believing is seeing kind of experiences and life paths. Now, there are some obvious similarities between Beyonce and Jay-Z and Justin and Haley. Both men are successful musicians, and they both have clothing lines. Um, it also is that both of the women I'm talking about, Beyonce and Haley, obviously really different people, neither of them had really any high-profile romantic relationships before they ended up in these relationships we're talking about. But those kind of assertions are just vague. And honestly, we could say that about Justin Beale and or Jessica Beale and Justin Timberlake, but, you know, she's a Pisces and he's an Aquarius. Or if you ignore all of reality television, then maybe you'd say, well, can't you say that about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian? I mean, you could, I guess, Ugh, for the love of Ray J. I, I, because I know too much about the Kardashians, I could not. But to that point, Kanye is a Gemini, Kim is a Libra. So again, we're not looking at immutable square. Do you see what I'm getting at here? But there are a couple of things that these couples share. And it's not just that like, oh, they have clothing lines. Oh, they have music. And those are the things that I want to explore. And the three similarities that I'm going to look at are as follows. One, the origins of their relationship are not agreed upon publicly. And there are definitely illusions of cheating in the relationship. Two, they had secret weddings. And three, they made documentaries about their music, but more importantly, their relationships. Now, all of these themes, the three that I've just have outlined, center around that mutable square moment, right? We always come back to Mercury and Jupiter being in tension. How much information is too much to share? How much is the right amount? And when? The tension between Jupiter ruling spread and expansion and Mercury ruling our thoughts or information. It's the tension of what should be private, what should be made public, and In all of these examples, the couples are going to tend to go from a more restricted place where they're going to say, okay, well, we're just going to release a little bit of information. And then as time goes on, maybe they feel more comfortable. Maybe they feel like this is a good PR move. More information kind of comes out. Uh, Because these people are so popular, I think there isn't a ton of blowback between being like, 
that's weird. That really wasn't what you guys told us before. And now you're telling us this. It was X and now it's Y. Um, of course, there are haters on the internet. So if you subscribe to that, obviously, you will find it. To start off, the relationships have a kind of interesting particular pattern where basically they claim to be friends first and then they are pictured all over town uh, looking like really friendly friends. Yeah. Uh, both couples have long held on to these, you know, comments where they said, oh, well, we didn't see each other out. You know, we just kind of met by chance through work or our communities. Jay-Z and Beyonce seemed so they were friends, and that was while they were recording Bonnie and Clyde 03. Now, there have been other lyrics in Jay-Z songs where he references their first date at Nobu and references that Beyonce was maybe seeing someone when he first was interested in her and asked her on a date. Um, but he said he knew that as soon as they were sitting near each other um, on a plane that she was the one. I think, though... <laughs> There is some really there is an MTV interview with Jay-Z and Beyonce where they're talking about Bonnie and Clyde 03. And for lo- a long time, you know, the whole PR thing had been like Jay-Z was recording this song. It's sampled from another song. There was a whole issue with that sampling. But uh, it's from a Tupac song. The, the deal is that, you know, Jay-Z had just wanted to collaborate with a, a really popular um, pop or R&B star and Beyonce was just kind of the perfect person so he called her she agreed they made the song but they weren't dating and I think that there was probably some truth to that I don't know that they were I don't think they were dating when he called her their families arranged it somehow because you know her dad was representing her at that time it's like 2002 2003 um, and Matthew Knowles will be her manager until 2011 but you know, I think there's this kind of like, oh, no, but this is just work. We just met from a song and that was what we were going to do. Um, Haley and Justin, you know, similarly, they were members of the same kind of fundamentalist church community um, before they started dating. And actually, her dad, Stephen Baldwin, introduced them backstage at the Today Show on 2009. There's weirdly a video of it where they kind of shake hands, acknowledge each other. But it's clearly not this instant connection. Um, we talked about a little bit about squares being tension in relationships that need to get resolved. Um, So I think it could be that, you know, the timing was wrong on these first interactions where, you know, maybe they didn't hate each other or anything, but they didn't really connect. Um, Or that on again, off again thing we're going to get to in a second. But just to be clear, it's not super unique in Hollywood or even in our own personal lives that people aren't super um, transparent about when they start dating. And there are a lot of valid reasons for that. I think it's that the confusion around when they were and weren't together and a lot of that seems to be something that's less about the PR teams now and more about the fact that there was clearly some cheating that happened in these relationships. Um, As we know, there are numerous Beyonce songs dedicated to uh, infidelity being cheated on. Um, And, you know, this is a common theme of her work. I do have some skepticism because, of course, you know, there was the Jay-Z apology song about this and, you know, Becky with the good hair and this kind of long feud between, you know, like Beyonce and Jay-Z, but they are still married and still have children with each other. So I think that this is something that has likely happened. Could be that the cheating allegations were, you know, were real, got leaked, and then they've been kind of pivoting on those ever since to make them more what they want to have happen. Again, that Mercury-Jupiter meetup. 
Or, you know, there are a lot of people who think that the tension that was Rihanna and Jay-Z were hooking up, you know, and Beyonce was really mad about it. And Ring the Alarm is about that, you know, also happened to coincide with Rihanna's first album coming out. And, you know, maybe it really did happen and maybe it was really upsetting. But, you know, it also was really good PR. So it's really hard to know um, exactly what's happened on the Haley and Justin side, there have been a couple of Vogue interviews that I referenced, um, and also I believe during the season's documentary that Haley and Justin broke up, um, and it wasn't simply like a, hey, we just couldn't make it work. There are some kind of darker themes that they kind of allude to. They talk about the lack of trust or trust issues that they were working on. Um, other interviews reveal that Justin kind of wasn't looking for a committed relationship, and they decided to end things because Haley said she wasn't really looking for something casual or potentially non-monogamous. Um, there are still other interviews where it seems like Haley and Justin were kind of testing the waters, like dating, maybe not dating exclusively or seriously. They were spotted together, and then she ended up going to the Met Gala with Shawn Mendes. For context, um, you know, you have to know your Met Gala date like months ahead of time. That's not something where you could just RSVP days before. So I think it's one of those things where maybe they were friends and then, you know, it wasn't exclusive and they did dip out or he cheated and broke her trust. She alluded to something, a time where if he was in the room, she would just walk out like she didn't talk to him. She didn't acknowledge his presence. Um, So I don't know that it was just as simple as, oh, we just can't be together right now. I think there was maybe more conflict than that. Um, Of course, all relationships need work. All people need different things in relationships. Um, But I think that both of these couples have learned this interesting lesson that if they reveal more and more about their previously kind of convoluted and odd timelines, were they dating then? Were they engaged? Were they not engaged? Oh, we're denying engagement rumors. You know, that people actually really want to know their story and are really invested in it and like being told the pseudo truth. Um, You know, this leads me kind of to the next thing, which is their secret weddings. Mutable energy to me is at its purest, like people being like, let's get married on a whim. When two mutable signs meet, they can bring out the fun loving and open mindedness in one another. Actually, now I just had a repressed memory. I'm pretty sure that my grandparents on my mom's side were a Sagittarius and a Pisces, and they totally did actually pull a Justin Haley and like get married on their first date craziness. Um, actually, Justin and Haley seemed pretty conservative comparatively because they, you know, like, had known each other for years, dated for two months, got engaged. Um, so actually, a correction from my earlier statements, I'm pretty sure my grandparents were like the OG, uh, mutable square, married on a whim. And I think it's that fun-loving, open-mindedness. Do you want to try a new restaurant? Do you want to jump on a plane and leave the mundane behind? And I think that, you know, both of these couples, when they did really connect with each other, that it probably was this really intense kind of joyful moment where they're like, oh, I really get you. Like, you want to have fun in a way that I want to have fun. And I think, um, or you want to work hard, and I also want to do that too. Both couples got legally married in secret and then, you know, later released photos of their wedding. Uh, In Beyonce and Jay-Z's case, they got engaged, I think, in December of 2007, and then they got married on April 4th, 2008. Uh, And years later, I believe there was photos in the um, documentary, which we'll talk about in a second. But I also know that Tina, uh, Beyonce's mom, released photos of their wedding, um, which was held in, and I wish I was kidding, 
Jay-Z's basketball court-sized living room. She put up a picture on Instagram for their anniversary. Yes, I said basketball court-sized living room. That really, that happened. Um, Justin Haley opted to get legally married in New York on September 13th, 2018. Um, that was like a courthouse thing where they were legally married by the state, but they later got married, I believe in South Carolina in September of 2019 and those public photos. So their marriage was already legal, but their wedding uh, was something that they shared publicly following it. Now the documentaries, as you likely know, Beyonce and Justin have made several documentaries about themselves. Um, a lot of these are focused on their musical, like an album or their like tours. There are two that specifically focus on their relationships and personal life. Beyonce's Life is But a Dream uh, aired in 2013 on HBO and Justin's Seasons aired in late January of 2020 on Netflix. As I mentioned, there have been other Justin and Beyonce documentaries. Uh, Justin Bieber had two concert world, like concert world tour movies, and they kind of centered around his Never Say Never and his Believe tours. Beyonce, of course, has Lemonade, Homecoming, and Black is King, the last of which kind of centers around the Lion King action film. And Lemonade is, of course, linked to the album Homecoming similarly as well, that kind of visual component to an audio experience. I think, and this is going to make me sound cynical, but I'm just going to go for it. I think Life is But a Dream and Seasons, they were really, I enjoyed both of them. Um, and they were kind of created to humanize these singers and give us that behind the curtains kind of look into their lives. I think for context, it's important that, you know, for a while, Beyonce was really successful in Destiny's Child and then had a solo career and married one of the most famous hip hop artists of all time. Um, and I think that we had always known her as this kind of that Sasha Fierce persona where Beyonce is a performer and we don't know a lot about her life because that isn't something she chooses to share except in her music. So if you want to know the truth, you got to buy the album kind of energy. And I think that Seasons was really the story of Justin Bieber, who had basically become an overnight success as a child and then really um, had a really difficult like late teens and early 20s ex life experience and now has kind of settled into um, a more sober existence and kind of dealing with some of the health issues that have uh, been difficult for his whole life. Both are really created to humanize these singers. It's about like them also being people because I think that it's the dynamics between Mercury and Jupiter and ultimately deciding that they need to share more to connect with their fans. Maybe there's a sense of, you know, connection with their fans as a whole where it's like, I want to share this with you because we've been through so much together. You know, we've had so many albums. We've had so many experiences. Um, it's connecting in some very like basic way of like, you know, them talking about their lives and maybe that suffering or difficulties that other people could connect to as well. I also think, you know, again, a, a little sardonic here that maybe this is also a chance to combat some of the bizarre theories about these people that litter the internet. I mean, there were years where people thought Beyonce was faking her pregnancy, um, you know, and all these weird conspiracies about Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. And I think it was a chance for them to go like, here's the real deal. Buy it. Don't buy it. But um, I'm putting it out there. So don't have to talk about it anymore. I want to end this episode with some wild, mutable, mutable, like, sign connection moments. Um, we said we'd talk about the number four. We said we'd talk about Beyonce in the number four. Here it is. 
Her birthday, of course, is September 4th. Jay-Z's birthday is December 4th. And their wedding date was April 4th, 2008. There has been a lot of speculation um, that Beyonce's first child, her daughter, Blue Ivy, her middle name was symbolic of the Roman numeral four, which of course is the capital I and the V next to each other. So it sounds like Ivy, but it's actually four or an homage to four. I don't have a specific reason why um, Beyonce has this affinity. I do think though, like if it was me and my partner and I had the same birth date, the same day of the month, um, not birthday, but we both were born on the same date of the month, then I would think that'd be hard to not think it's like not coincidence, right? Like that there's something maybe bigger here. Um, what I need you to know is that the number four is strongly associated with mutable signs. So if you are glancing at your chart or a chart of something else, maybe a chart of fortune chart, you will note, you should note that mutable signs, if you have a placement in a mutable sign in the fourth or 17th degree, it is considered particularly powerful. So even if it's a planet that doesn't have, you know, let's say it's, I, I for example, have Mars in Pisces, which is not a particularly auspicious uh, chart placement. Mars does not like being in Pisces. Mars is Aries Scorpio, so doesn't know what to do in Pisces. If I had Mars and Pisces in the 4th or 17th, I might think to myself, this is a significant part of this chart. There is something about this that is really integral. If it was me, I'd go ahead and look at the house and say, like, what house is this falling into? What there are the themes there? And that might be really critical to the chart holder. Um, so something like that. The last, like, wild, mutable sign connection of the day is that Hailey Bieber recently modeled the new Icy Park Athletic Wear collection from Beyonce's Ivy Park Athletic Wear Company. Uh, the collection was announced on January 29th, but it launched on February 19th, which was the first day of Pisces season. Are there no coincidences in life? Maybe. Uh, or is this just further proof that mutable signs are slowly but surely taking over the world? I'm a Gemini sun sign, so I think you know where my vote on that is. So whether you are mutable in love or just yummy, 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 please remember that everyone and everything has a birth chart, but yours is a chart of fortune. Thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. If you have questions or comments, or if you want to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email me at Chart of Fortune, or you can reach out on my Instagram account, Chart of Fortune. Chart of Fortune is researched, written, hosted, and edited by me, Elise Blaylock. Until next time, stay mutable. I love you. Bye.